Today's episode of The Doctor's Companion is brought to you by InStockTrades.com and DCBService.com. Welcome to episode 60 of The Doctor's Companion. I'm Scott Corelli. And I'm Matt Smith, but not that Matt Smith. And today we're going to be talking about the fifth Doctor story, Four to Doomsday. Um, but before we do that, I want to remind everybody that we're from the website GeekShowEntertainment.com, where we like geeky stuff, and occasionally we talk about geeky stuff like Doctor Who on podcasts like this one. Geek Show Entertainment is a podcast network that has new episodes released every week for shows that include The Doctor's Companion, as well as Movie Night at Geek Show, Have You Met Ted, Queen Witch, A Couple of Geeks, Geek Show Soundcheck, Super Geeks, and coming this fall, The Geek Show with Scott and Matt, the new flagship podcast for GeekShowEntertainment.com. You can listen to those podcasts by streaming them on the website or subscribing to the shows on iTunes. Also, you can go to the website and join our community by commenting on episodes, articles, and audio blogs that we regularly post on the site. And if you've listened to any of our shows and you like what you hear, even if you don't, help us out by leaving an iTunes review. iTunes reviews are the best way for people to find our shows and decide if they might be worth listening to. You can also let us know how we're doing with comments, concerns, or suggestions by emailing the show at tdc at geekshow.us. That's TDC, as in The Doctor's Companion. All right, so uh, for to Doomsday, Matt, uh, what's the background and significance of this episode? Um, okay, well, it's the uh, second Peter Davison story that I was ever transmitted, uh, but it's more it's more notable because it's actually the first that he performed. Um, it's the like before they did um, his his premiere story, Castrovalva. They actually did. Um, Four to Doomsday, then they did The Visitation, which is his fourth story, then they did Kinda, which is his third story, and then they did Castrovalva. So so really what we're seeing is it's the first real uh Peter Davison story, which is which is interesting, um, because, you know, he comes out of the gate swinging. Um Yeah, he does. It's <laughs> it's written by Terrence Dudley, uh, who is a writer. Uh he wrote um he wrote a couple stories coming up for Davison, including Black Orchid, uh, The King's Demons. Uh, I don't. I don't remember if he wrote anything else. I don't. I think that's it. Um, and it's it's all right. It's it's a lot like. Um, it reminds me a lot of uh, the Ark in Space, uh, at least initially. Uh, it's also interesting because this was actually supposed to be Nissa's final story. Uh, Jonathan Nathan Turner, the producer, was like, "Well, I think the TARDIS is a little overcrowded," um, and and <laughs> and as a result, um, uh, they were gonna they were gonna get rid of Nissa over the course of the story. But Davison was like, "Look, I'm gonna be honest with you. From my Doctor, the companion who is in the TARDIS right now, who is the best for my Doctor, is Nissa. So he fought with Nathan Turner and managed to stay Nissa's departure for uh, pretty much a season and a half, which is pretty exciting. Um, And that's really that's really what it is. I don't I don't think it's a remarkably special story beyond those little minor things. 
because um, it's still, you know, it's early days for Davis, and it's not like the force of um, legendary that is Kinda or the importance that is Earthshock. It's just, yeah, no, it's just another Davison story. Um, and it's, you know, it's his first real adventure after Castrovalvo, which is, you know, it's a Davison story, but it's a lot of him getting into the groove of things, as it were. So, um, so that's what it is. It's also weird because Davison's first season is half script edited by a guy named Anthony Root and uh, half edited by Eric Sayward, who would go on to script edit the show for like three seasons, three or four seasons. Um, so it's, 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 it's interesting that, um, you can kind of see that, um, the, the focus is a little bit more on adventure and stuff for four to doomsday, the visitation and kind of kinda, um, (laughs) kinda kinda, um, uh, so so that's it that's interesting if only because you know he was only an intermediary taking over after Christopher Bidmead who was uh the guy who was the um script editor for the last season but yeah this is really where we kind of start to get you know the Davison that we really like which is which is weird cuz he starts here um and it's uh, he's so good in this like he is it's insane how good he is in this it's amazing yeah um it really is so yeah, that's 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 really foreign to Doomsday. Um, what did, what did you think of the story overall? Because you hadn't seen this, right? This is new to you, right? No, I had I'd never seen I'd never seen this, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, it. Uh, I mean, it was it was it was good, and like I, I liked I liked Davison a lot, and I liked the idea of the of the story, um, mm-hmm. and I feel like I feel like for this season being as cheap as it was it was supposed to be mm-hmm. um man they made the most out of their money because oh definitely like the sets are like really detailed definitely. um and and that really surprised me uh well, so like I, I i feel like um like it, i mean yeah it looked really really good well i forget who was the designer on this but the designer on the episode also did um what was it? Uh, Warriors of the Deep. <clears throat> and Warriors of the Deep is also, like, just as intricate in terms of set detail. And apparently what the what the designer did, I'm blanking on his name at the moment. Um, maybe it'll come back to me in a minute. But um, what he did that was so interesting is he kind of constructed sets that were, like, puzzles. So, like, he could flip them and turn them around and, and rotate them and they would suddenly become, like, a different room. So what you're seeing, while it seems like you're seeing a bunch of different sets, you're just seeing, like, the same set over and over and over just assembled in a different way, which is so cool. Yeah, um, that's because brilliant. It, yeah, and it looks... it The design on this is really good. If there's any criticism I have, it's just that the lighting is really weird. Um, the lighting is way bright for no reason um and it makes people look a little pale and like they're in, standing in the sun or something but other than that like the sets themselves look just look great the design on this is just fantastic um definitely um and then my my, my biggest complaint <clears throat> with this story is like we spend way too much time watching all of the cultures dance <laughs> like way too much time um, I think we see every culture dance three or four times, like it's a, it's a lot throughout the story, and and just and it's not like they're dancing differently; like it's the same dance every time, um, <laughs> and it's just it's 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 a problem. I don't. Yeah, I agree. I I, I, agree. I I feel like it was a big waste of time. Like I feel like this probably could have been a three a three part story. Um, oh, absolutely. That was absolutely. expanded into four, and then uh, like I also I. I hate Tegan. 
<laughs> I hate her. I just, I just hate her. Um, yeah. She just, she's really whiny. And throughout this, she's really whiny. And just never believes anything, ever. Mm-hmm. Like, every time the doctor's like, oh, yeah, there's this thing. And she's like, no, that's impossible. It's like, um, <laughs> you're in a time-traveling box that's bigger on the inside. Stop saying things are impossible. <laughs> like, I can't stand characters like that in science fiction, like the, mm-hmm. the fish-out-of-water characters in science fiction stories, or fantasy stories, for that matter. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, you're already seeing all this amazing stuff. Stop not believing things. Just stop. Yeah. Because it's yeah. ridiculous. And it doesn't make any sense. And it's annoying. And I hate it. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I mean, I can understand it from the perspective of, like, she doesn't want to be there. But the problem with Tegan always becomes, like, she she's just trying to get home. And the doctor's trying to take her home. But in the midst of this, like, you can tell that Tegan just does not want to be there. And that's... That's the problem, is, is, is Tegan's, you know, I mean, I'm all for the idea of Tegan, the idea of someone who will call the doctor when he's, when he's not doing something that's good. Like, that's why we love Donna, because Donna calls the doctor on things. That's why we like Lucy Miller, because that's when, because she is not afraid to call the doctor on his, on his own shenanigans. But what the problem with Tegan is that Tegan, at no point in time over the course of this story, or even really any other story, does she really want to be there? And they they're stuck with this character who is whiny, who doesn't, who clearly is not having a good time, um, despite the fact that she's kind of stuck and is not making the best of it, and is kind of pouting. And that's that's a problem. Like I have no interest in that character, and it just it's grating for no reason. Um, and and it and it questions a lot of what happens with Tegan later, especially in something like Ark of Infinity, where all of a sudden she's like, I want to go back with you. And he's like, why? I mean, you didn't you didn't like it the first time. What makes you think you're going to like it later? And like, that's that's my biggest problem with Tegan is just like they they went too hard. They tried too hard and weren't capable of balancing the um, like the I want to call the doctor on what he's doing. And it's just it's a it's a shame because, you know, mm-hmm. You're kind of stuck with Tegan for a really long time, mm-hmm. for, like, and I'm and I'm not reasons. I'm not really I'm like I'm I'm confused as to like why the Doctor loves Tegan so much. Like in this story, like Adric is like I want to go with you, and he she's he's like no, it's cool. I've got her. I've got Tegan. Like <laughs> like over and over and over again that happens, and I'm just like I'm like dude, like what? Why do you like this Australian chick so much? Like I don't. Like I just I don't get it, especially when all she does is whine and complain. It's because um, Jonathan Nathan Turner at the time was trying to get Doctor Who on in Australia, so he so he brought in an Australian companion in the hope that it would uh, it would work, uh, which is probably why you see a bunch of Aborigines in this story. Um, and so the Doctor stuck with Tegan because Nathan Turner wanted that. And then you know when the Australian thing didn't pull out, he was like, "Well, I kind of like Tegan," so uh, they just keep her around. But you're right, it's it's weird to see the Doctor just palling around with Tegan constantly, and it's not, you know, it's not super strong. Yeah, it's weird, Especially. and there's no, there's just no reason for it. And yeah. Like, it really feels like the Doctor's just play, playing favoritism, especially mm-hmm. considering, um, like, you have Adric, and, like, I don't know, personally, I think, I think Adric is the, the, the great companion for Davison um, mm-hmm. to play off of, I think. Uh, at least of these three, um, and then Nissa's pretty much just ignored. 
Yes. Which uh, hopefully they, we see more of Nyssa and we get more of her because I want more of her because I, I like the little bit that I get, but I get next to nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, You'll get this more is, this of is only like This is only like what, her fourth story, maybe? Pretty much, yeah. yeah. After Keeper, Troc, and Legopolis, Castrol, it's this one. Yeah, yeah, so for um, her fourth story, and they're already trying to get rid of her. Yeah, well, you'll, you'll get more. Like, I think once you hit um, something, once Adric goes away, Nissa becomes better. Like, Arc of Infinity is a great Nissa story, despite being a terrible story. Because mm. um, by that point, it's the, the entire story up until the final episode is literally just the Doctor and Nissa running around. And that's, and like, then you can see that. Davison's doctor really does get along with Nyssa because, you know, she is kind of the lab assistant, but she's also incredibly smart and is really talented. Um, Adric, I like, but Adric, as he proves himself in this story and has proved himself previously in other stories, really loves teaming up with a bad guy for no reason. Um, <laughs> just, mm-hmm. just because he could. But I see what you mean. Like, I do like the relationship between the doctor and Adric, especially in something like Earthshock. Um, uh, you won't hate Tegan and Kinda. I'm pretty sure you won't, because I don't hate Tegan and Kinda. That's interesting. Kinda's, you know, Kinda, Snake Dance, and Enlightenment are actually incredible Tegan stories, and I'm just because I don't want to hate Tegan. Because if you if you're stuck hating Tegan, you're in for like a pretty rough Davison era, and I don't want that. But I can't. I'm I have a hard time wrapping my head around her as a character, just because just because if you if you hate being with the Doctor so much then don't go along with these things that he's doing, but they can't do that because she's a companion, so they're kind of stuck, um, which, is, which right. is a bummer. Yeah, so it is. Uh, there it is. Uh, that's a big bummer. Yeah, I know. But... You'll like her in Kenda. I swear she is so good in Kenda. All right. Just because right. they, they write her really good. I'll, I'll take your word for it. Um, but before we get started with our discussion of the episode, uh, this is a reminder that today's episode is brought to you by InStockTrades.com. And this month at InStockTrades.com, you can purchase our book of the month, Captain America Winter Soldier Ultimate Collection by Ed Brubaker, Steve Efting, Mike Perkins, and Michael Lark. This book is available for only fifteen forty nine, which is 38% off the suggested retail price of twenty four ninety nine. And remember, all orders over $50 get free shipping. So thanks to InStockTrades.com. I started reading this, and it's so good. Isn't it? It's so good. I've read it. I've read it twice. I have to get back into it for the third time. But I am so excited to read it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh man, it's just, it's so compelling. I was showing off um, some of the artwork to my girlfriend, and she was like, whoa, like yeah. the scene in the in the first scene where where Captain America goes up against the train, like just oh yeah. Oh gosh, like it's so Brew Baker really gets like fun action, but also gets to do his his really cool crime tree crime intrigue espionage sort of angle. It's just it's so well done. Mm-hmm. It's amazing, really. Yeah. All right, so um, let's get into part one. Okay. Well, part one starts with the Doctor saying, um, "I'm taking you back, Tegan," because the first season is all about the Doctor saying, "I'm taking Tegan back to Earth and back to Heathrow, and it's all going to be cool." Um, so he's taking Tegan back to Earth, and they arrive, but it's the wrong place. Um, and the Doctor's really intrigued, so he decides that um, he's going to leave everyone in the TARDIS, and he's going to put on this helmet. That uh, okay? Do you understand what this helmet does? Because I, I certainly don't. It doesn't really have a face shield. I don't think it has an oxygen tank. It, it I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. It's, <laughs> I like as far as I can tell. Like I just kept waiting for the doctor to shrink down, and 
like because it really just looks like <laughs> Ant-Man's helmet. Like it really <laughs> And not not to mention the fact that like like uh the Davison era likes to shrink people. Um, oh, definitely. Yeah, so I was I really just kept waiting for him to just shrink <laughs> down and start like taking out bad guys, miniaturized. <laughs> All of a sudden, you see someone just go down because they've been punched in the face, and you just yeah. zoom in on Davison, and he's like, I just punched you as a tiny little ant. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Davison, not Davison, the doctor uh, moves out into the um into the into the ship, and it's like it's really interesting silent sequence that almost reminds me a lot of the Ark in Space because I love well, I love the Ark in Space, it's one of the best. Tom Baker stories but like that story also involves a ship not really a ship a space station but like the doctor and his companions on their own for you know almost the first the entire first episode and while this doesn't do that um it really reminds me of like you know the doctor's just off exploring and it kind of sets like that tone um also we were talking just before about how um this is Davison's first scene like the first scene he ever recorded as the doctor and wow does he kill it like just like he nails this scene he's Just, so com- good so good <laughs> well it's completely silent and like you know i really love davison talking as the doctor but you know even this just his reaction to things is mm-hmm. it's it's just it's so strong and it's just oh and like, you, when, like when when he spots the camera and he sees it and then you see him through the camera and he's just like grinning like at the camera i'm just like i'm just like oh wow that that's that's tenet's grin like that's yeah it's the same smile <laughs> I yeah. it, 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 I was just like, oh my god, he's so good. He's, he's so just good. so happy to be there. Yeah. He's just so so happy to be there. Yeah. Um, so he starts exploring. <clears throat> he's flipping switches. There are cameras everywhere, which are these little floating balls of um. They're just like giant black balls with a with a white eye. Which is um, honestly like high end uh, high end special effects for this show. Like I was yeah kind of impressed. I was, I was like I don't know how I like I was really impressed with the shot because it actually looks really good. Mm-hmm. Like really good for being made in 1982 Mm -hmm. um so he returns um into uh into into the into the tardis and he's like okay guys grab your helmets we're gonna we're gonna start doing this." well before that i want to mention something that just drove me crazy uh he's outside looking around and uh tegan nissa and adric are all watching him on the tv or whatever and um, Tegan's just like, I'm going out there. And Adric's like, no, you're not. The doctor said not to go out there. And he's like, well, she's like, well, I mean, he's not even doing anything. Like, what's the big deal? And she, he's just like, and Adric's just like, uh, the doctor said no. You're, so you're not, you're not going out there. He's like, well, he could be in trouble. And I'm like, he's, you just said he's not doing anything. Like, you're watching him on the TV screen just looking at stuff and not doing anything. And you're just like, well, he could be in trouble. I'm, I'm like, ugh. I'm like, that's just, that's just, that's lousy writing. Like, it is, it is, because it, it's just, it's trying to give people something to do when they don't really need to be doing anything. Like, yeah, you know, totally. Just, and, and maybe it's not, maybe it's not writing. Like, maybe, maybe it's the director. Like, maybe, like, you know, like maybe he shouldn't have had them watching the doctor or or something. Like, so that Herod saying that wouldn't be completely ridiculous. But like. Mm-hmm. The way that it's it's portrayed in this episode, like it's it's ridiculous that she would say that, and I hated it, and I wanted <laughs> to punch my TV, <laughs> so that yeah. Tegan would be unconscious the rest of this story, and I wouldn't have to deal with her. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, 
So the doctor comes back in. He's like, "Grab your helmets," and they all go out into the uh, into the spaceship, and they're all exploring. Um, <laughs> they um, the, the doctor's like, "I'm gonna I'm gonna go off exploring." Tegan, you're with me. Wh- why? I don't know. He just he's just like he's just like I want to be with Tegan, maybe to learn her a lesson or something. Um, and but Adric gets really really complaining. He's like he's like, "But I want to go with you." <laughs> And this is like, well, thanks. Um, so the doctor and and um, and uh, Tegan head off, and they start exploring the ship, coming across all these um, all these different cameras, going through these corridors, which are really, I just, I, again, the production design on this is just really great. There's there's levels, and I'm a huge, I, I'm a huge fan of vertical space and things, but like the vertical space, the sense of vertical space in this is is so good because like you know they go up staircases, they go down staircases, and it sounds like a small thing. But you never see that sort of thing in, in, in Doctor Who or in television in general, and it's just it's such a nice thing to see. Yeah. Um, everything tends to just be one level, which is yeah, which which is understandable because of um you can't shoot down you can't shoot from a down angle looking up because of lights, and shooting from an up angle looking down is difficult because of you know lights. So um so it's difficult, which which is you know it's just it's the nature of the beast. Like you never see Buffy's ceiling in her house. Uh, fact. Um, but uh so so they were going through and they they come across these uh these three uh, green alien people um and the guy in the main chair his name is Monarch and he's he's the ruler of this ship um and he has um two people on the other side uh one the girl is named Enlightenment and the guy is named Persuasion and I like that I I mean I like really odd names in science fiction, like auntie and uncle and the doctor's wife, like that sort of thing is really cool. And they, um, and they start dropping exposition. They're like, Oh, we've been on this journey for 2,500 years. And we're, we're, we're on a, we're on a journey. And they ask, uh, where you guys are going. And Tegan's like, well, I can draw you, um, where we're going. And, and she draws a picture of, um, of, a of a pilot and a stewardess because, that's that's what she knows. Honestly, Tegan shouldn't be a stewardess. Um, Tegan should just be an artist because that those, those sketches were actually pretty great um, for, for for a person. Um, yeah, so, maybe she's maybe she's just a stewardess to pay for uh, art school. <laughs> maybe she's working her way through art school. <laughs> she, she needs the job. Although she is so. So focused on being on being a stewardess that um she uh she, well yeah. she's really determined to make her way through art school. <laughs> that actually makes sense. Um, okay, so so uh, Adric and Nissa are moving through the ship. Adric uh, Nissa goes missing, uh, and then they find Nissa again, and they meet this guy named Bygone, who is this Greek philosopher guy, um, and he's really nice to them, and he has food for them. Um, Adric takes the opportunity to eat because anytime Adric's on screen, he's eating. Um, it's just, he's a growing boy. He is a growing boy. Although that's my favorite thing. There's a story coming up called Black Orchid. And in Black Orchid, like literally Adric, everyone's dancing and Adric is literally the guy at the food table who's just eating. Like, it's, <laughs> it's just really funny. Um, so they, they're sitting down, they're eating, Bygone's talking to them. And they meet uh, a couple of people, including a uh, an abor- an ancient Aborigine from Australia, um, a Mayan a Mayan woman from like the Mayan Empire, and an ancient Chinese soldier. And can I tell um, you how much I hate 
that Tegan can just speak in tribal Aborigine talk. <laughs> it's it's a it's a very interesting talent she has. I'm like, wow. So like, not only not only are you an artist, but uh, you can also uh, speak Aborigine. That's wow. That's really helpful. That's some career be... you've got coming. <laughs> <laughs> I think she just wants to be an artist for the Aborigines. Like that's just that's what she, that's I think what she wants. Uh, because I, I was like, I was watching there. I was like, really? That's that's a little strange. And then even the doctor's like, that's weird. Um, so, anyways, uh, enlightenment and persuasion come in to the room, and they're suddenly dressed like these, um, like these two uh, people, uh, and um, uh, these the, the this pilot and the stewardess and. Everyone's like, that's that's really weird because it's basically the picture that Tegan drew, um, and they're like, well, you're gonna stay because we're on our way to Earth and it's our final four days, uh, and isn't this weird that we now look like this? And we're left with uh, on that as a cliffhanger. Yeah. Um, well, okay. So I'll say this about the cliffhangers in this: um, they mm-hmm. build properly, mm-hmm. but this is not a cliffhanger. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of an episode ending. Yeah. Um, it just sort of stops. Mm-hmm. Although I do like the really nice, it's a really cool reveal that they do. Like the enlightenment persuasion reveal is like, whoa, that's kind of, that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. I really, I really do like that. I also um, really like when uh, Davison tries to copy the uh, the Asian bow. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't do it very well. <laughs> And then just kind of gives up halfway through. Like I don't know. I just I just think the doctor has very has a very poor experience with like with like Asian cultures. Um, I know this because I just watched Marco Polo um, and uh, Talents of Wang Chiang is you know. Well, let's look at let's look at the history of Doctor Who and point out that he has never had an Asian companion ever. I think it's I think it's high time we got an Asian companion. None uh, of this none uh, of this Scotsman stuff. I'm thinking yeah, like I don't I don't know why he's never had one. <laughs> it's actually I never thought about that. Well, he'd never had a black one until Martha. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, that's just that's that's because uh the BBC back in the day was not super progressive. Um mm-hmm. <laughs> just <laughs> But like, yeah, obviously, like they're they're obvi- they obviously still hate the Asians because probably <laughs> obviously my favorite thing though is in, in Marco Polo. I, I mean, we're a little off track, but in Marco Polo, there's this part where Susan is spending her time hanging out with this with this little uh, Chinese girl who's 16, who's getting married, whose name is Ping Cho, and in episode in episode five, the doctor literally says, "I don't." I don't like Susan hanging around that Chinese girl. She makes me nervous. And, and like, oh I'm just... Oh, my God. Like, I, and, like, when I heard that, I just I just died of laughter. So that's like, what it, it is. Just, like, the doctor's just racist. He, he is. That Well, there's also a part in the Daleks Master Plan where he's like, we have to get out of here. It's too full of Arabs, which is actually a line that the doctor says. Whoa. Um, which is, it's so funny, dude. I and, I, and, I and there's never been an Arab on the TARDIS either. <laughs> I think I think I think I think it's just I, I and there's never been a Russian either. He just hates Asia. <laughs> I, I think you might be right. I think like he just I, hates Asia as a as a as a continent. Yeah, I I I think you really might be right. Uh, <laughs> like, like the TARDIS lands and he comes out of the TARDIS and he's like, "We're in Asia. Get back in the TARDIS now, now." 
like like people that like there's like Russians and they're just like but our but our the whole like our whole city is gonna get blown up. I, I don't care. Good. Get get back in the tires. Everybody back in the tires. <laughs> Well, <laughs> he just really doesn't like Asia. <laughs> it really doesn't. Well, I found the exact quote, and I'm only sharing this because it's hilarious. But but he says they're talking about how Susan's being associated with Ping Cho, and the doctor says, "quote It's a pity there was any association at all. That Chinese child makes me nervous." Uh, <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> That's the exact quote. Uh, <laughs> oh, so wow. funny! Wow! So funny. Um, wow! I know. I. <laughs> Kind of loved it. Um, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure the doctor hates Asia. <laughs> I really, I really. Now I want to do a Doctor Who story about him traveling to Asia and being really uncomfortable and having an after-school <laughs> special moment. I think that's just in the. It's in the cards for the future. Um, <laughs> honestly, I, I'm trying to think of a time when he did go to Asia, and I'm having trouble like thinking about it. Even in the new series, I can't think of. You know, he went to Rome. Nope, I can't think of a time he went to Asia. Oh, no. That's weird. Um, yeah, yeah, because he stays wow. away. Wow, it's a, wow. It's, maybe it's the Doctor Who equivalent of the Hellmouth. <laughs> <laughs> Just like I don't want to go there until I absolutely have to. Yeah. <laughs> oh god. Anyways, anyways, anyways. Yeah, um, the, like literally, like the closest thing to Asia would be like in the Beast Below, like the market that they. They walk through yeah. this kind of Asian yeah. has Asian qualities, but like that's that's it. That's the closest. <laughs> that's like that's like saying that the doctor likes like Asia because he's been to Chinatown. You know, like yeah, that's, exactly. That's exactly the same thing. <laughs> it's just a little weird. Um, oh, anyways, man. okay, back to Fort of Doomsday, uh, episode two. Episode two. So we find out all this stuff about um, about the ship, and I, I think that this is probably one of the biggest failings of it because, like you were saying, there's not a lot in this story. Like it's very it's very sparse. It's very scant. There's not you know there's not big heavy set pieces. Um, there's a lot of exposition about who the monarch is, what the ship's all about, where they went to Earth, when they didn't. So we find out that the it, monarch enlightenment and persuasion come from a planet that was that was destroyed by a black hole, um, and there are three billion uh, living creatures on the ship. How that works, the doctor mm-hmm. doesn't understand, but he but he makes the idea that like oh well if we count bacteria or really small things, uh, you could probably say that there's three billion. Um, I also so, I really like uh, the look of the three of them on their thrones. Oh, it's it's totally iconic. Yeah, um, especially because, you know, Monarch is a is a very xenophobic character. Like he's very, you know, he wants to be God. Like that's the, basically the idea of Monarch. And like, you know, him being on that raised plinth next to Enlightenment persuasion that they look human. Like it makes him look all the more important and powerful, which is just a gorgeous sort of image. Um, that is, it's that's just really, really strong. I like Monarch um, as a villain. I, I do. I like. I like Monarch. I think that part of the problem with Monarch comes comes a little bit later when I'm not sure exactly what he wants. Because um, it's yeah. a little, it's a little confusing. Yeah. Um, um, also, Enlightenment has nothing to do with the episode Enlightenment, right? No, nothing. Okay. Nothing. Okay. Nothing. No. No. Um, and thank God because uh, Enlightenment is so good. Um, <sighs> okay. So uh, basically, Monarch decides that. 
uh, the TARDIS crew has heard enough, and he shows them off to their quarters. Um, and and there's this idea that Bygone, just when he leads them back to his quarters, he's like, I've been here for a hundred generations. And the Doctor has no idea how that's possible, because it doesn't make any sense, because Bygone doesn't look like he's been here for a hundred generations. So, the Doctor... <laughs> does this great moment where he um, turns on the sonic screwdriver and uses his hat to block out the camera so Monarch Enlightenment Persuasion cannot see what the Doctor and his crew are doing and cannot hear what they're talking about, which is a great moment. Um, I even wrote down like on my notes, Peter Davison is so good, because he does it so succinctly and so simply that you kind of figure out what he's doing, but he's, you know, he's just a little ahead of the curve and he's a little smarter than you, which is always a good quality for the Doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Uh, the doctor says, okay, well, I'm going to go out looking, um, with Tegan, Nissa and, <laughs> again with Tegan, Nissa and Adric go lurk around and see what you can dig up. So everyone goes out wandering, they're all divided, there's really weird lighting, like, I don't, I don't like the lighting in this story, um, a lot of people have criticized the Nathan Turner years for being overly bright, but this stuff, like, it's really untempered, I don't know if you noticed it, but, like, it makes everyone look really, like, it's just glistening and not very... It's not very good or flattering. It's not very clever lighting. It's just very raw, and I don't really... I'm not a huge fan. Yeah. I only say that because it was in my notes. Uh, <laughs> 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 so, T- the Doctor and Tegan find this recreation room, oh and God. they watch the recreation, <laughs> which is... This is so strange. I, and can I just say, like... And this... I, I wrote this in my notes because, like, honestly... I, 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 I can't, I can't, I mean, the only reason they don't do it is because the story dictates that they don't, but, like, when the, when the dragons came out, like, I kind of wanted the Doctor and Tegan to just freak out and start attacking them, because they're not, they're about of the same level of quality as any other monster that's ever been on Doctor Who. <laughs> Not wrong. So, like, I just think it'd be really funny if, like, the doctor's just like, I'll save you guys. <laughs> just, Why like, are you being down eaten? <laughs> And just, like, um, drags the guy out from underneath, like, that's controlling the, guy's like, the It's tra- an act! It's an act! It's an act! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then the next episode that there's a monster, like, he's just like, where's the person? <laughs> and he's, like, wrestling with, like, just the fabric dinosaur. Yeah. And it's just... Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh. I don't know. This, this is a weird rec room. Like they're just they're just celebrating culture, and it's weird to think that like this over sort and of over and been, over again. Oh my god! For thousands and thousands of years, like these four just, these four cultures have each have a dance of some sort, like some sort of entertainment, like the, the one of which is swordplay. Is it four or weird. five? Uh, there's the Greeks, the Mayans, the Chinese, and the Aborigines. I think. I don't think there's more than that. I think that's that's all there is. So it's four. No, because well, because who? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's. I think that's right. Right? No. Yeah. Wait. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm just gonna say that's right. And then we'll no, there are else. five because the five the five performances are the dragons, the the Indian princess lady, um, mm-hmm. the uh, the uh, tribal dance, the two gladiators, and then the two Greeks wrestling. I think I think the gladiators and the Greeks are the same culture, though. Oh, they are. I think th- th- probably because those the gladiators aren't re- they're not dressed like Roman centurions; they're dressed like Spartans. So then, um, why why do they get two? That's not fair. I don't know. 
I don't know. I, I don't know. <laughs> I think it's I think it's interesting that they're the ones who are doing the fighting. That's, that's but they just they just they just go on and on <laughs> and on. It's a lot of in a loop. A lot of time. Like it's just like all four, all all five performances happen, and then they just happen again. Mm-hmm. Exactly it's, the it's, same way. It's kind of weird. And the weird thing is like. Monarch, Enlightenment, and Persuasion are just watching this over and over and over again, and I'm just like, wouldn't you kind of get a little bit bored by this? After a hundred generations? Yeah. (laughs) Not even that, because, like, a hundred generations is just how long Bygone's been there. Like, we find out that, um, earlier in the episode, we find out that Bygone's been gone for a hundred generations, but the, 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 I think it's the Chinese guy has been gone for, like, four hundred generations, and... Um, the other one has been gone for like 800 generations. Like each generation gets exponentially farther away because the ship that they're traveling on gets faster and faster. So like it's getting twice as fast each time they reach earth. So, um, so they haven't, so like each one, like bygone is 2000 years old. And then the next oldest guy is like 8,000 years old and then 16,000, 32,000. So it just keeps getting faster and faster. So like, <laughs> Monarch has a lot more patience for rewatchability than I do, like because I can't. I would I would get so bored mm-hmm. watching that. Um, I was already bored, honestly. <laughs> like, um, so Nissa and Adric are investigating the ship. They go into all these different rooms, um, and they're they're noticing that none of these workers need oxygen, uh, and Nissa and Adric have to keep wearing their helmets. Um, Speaking of which, I love the fact that all I love seeing all of these different cultures like working with technology. Oh, it's totally awesome because it's kind of the idea of that is just really neat looking, Mm -hmm. and it's it's got a cool anachronistic quality to it. That's Mm -hmm. it it just it makes because this episode, if there's a fault of this episode, it does it's that it doesn't go weird enough. Like seeing enlightenment and persuasion turn into the creature the 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 drawings of Tegan that Tegan made is weird but I don't think that they push how weird everything is on this ship um it almost needs like you know someone with that eye for weird to uh to really get it to that level and I think that's one of the reasons why this 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 effort feels a little like it's like you know it's given the short shrift in my opinion it's not quite you know as good as it should be mm-hmm. um so uh, let's see. So the doctor and Tegan return to their room because they were talking to Vigon, and Vigon's like, "Look, I am. Um, I'm. I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna talk to you guys. I'm gonna tell you what's really going on. Uh, just go back to the room. I'm gonna. I'm gonna distract Persuasion, who's watching us. Uh, and you guys just go back to the room. Um, so they go back to the room. We get more dance sequences." And the Doctor and Tegan get a visit from Bygone. And while this is going on, Adric and Nyssa are brought before Monarch, um, who wants to know everything that's going on. And and we get... Uh, and, then we, and so we're left on that. And then the Doctor and Tegan start to ask Bygone, okay, why is this working? How does this work? And all that stuff. And Bygone does what is, to me, still a shockingly... Oh my god, where did that come from? I'm kind of an idiot for not seeing it. Cliffhanger, which is... <laughs> Bygone goes, by the way, I'm a robot. And he does this not by saying he's a robot, but by <laughs> ripping open his chest and showing a microchip that is his heart and flipping up his head and revealing the android face underneath, which is terrifying. Like, yeah. just, <laughs> like oh my god! <laughs> like, 
I was watching, I was watching with my girlfriend the first time, and she hates robots. Like, not not hates robots, but hates robots who look like humans because they make her, you know, they they kind of freak her out a little bit. And I understand that. That's fine. Like, you know, Battlestar Galactica or anything like that. But as soon as she realized that he was a cyborg, she just freaked out. She was like, "Wow!" You know, just. <laughs> It's kind of cool, but like I don't know. I I love this cliffhanger. I think it's just crazy that it's just like whoa that came out of nowhere. Um, but it makes sense if you go back and think about it. Like of course they're of course they're robots. They have to be because they're not aging. Which is I don't know. It's really it's strong it's, for me. Yeah, because it's 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 strong because they never hint at the fact that they're robots, even though it's really obvious that they are. Mm-hmm. They like, don't need to breathe. Of course they're robots. Yeah, of that's, course they're robots. Exactly. That's like it's mm-hmm. like such a. It's just such a like a perfect reveal. Like the way mm-hmm. they do it, and, it's really, really and well. shocking. Like he just flips up his face, and there's just circuits and eyeballs underneath, and it's just oh god, it's so strong. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's part two. Um, it's, it's a super strong cliffhanger, if you ask me. Um, definitely. And, uh, yeah. Um, like I said, they part- progressively get better. Like they up the ante each time. Yeah. Like they should. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just that first time wasn't even a cliffhanger. <laughs> that's all. <laughs> it's a little strange. Um, yeah. So we come back, part three. We find out a lot about the robots and how uh, Bygone was taken from Earth. He was an he was an ancient Greek philosopher or something. He was taken from Earth and his consciousness was implanted into a robot so that he could live forever. Um, and that's happened with everyone. So everyone you're seeing on the ship who isn't monarch. Enlightenment or persuasion, but even them a little bit um, are all robots. Uh, Enlightenment, persuasion, and monarch all have like robot components to them, but they're not. You know, they're 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 still robotic. Um, and all of this, um, this is this is where the story kind of fall apart falls apart for me because the question is why is monarch going back to Earth? Like, what is he doing on Earth? And the idea is that monarch is about to take over the Earth and mine it for all of its silicon, which is which is a little weird given what you kind of expect from, you know, the story because is he is he so he's mining the silicon but for what? To make more robots. Okay. Well, why is he making more robots? And you realize Bygone tells the doctor that that what what um I don't remember if he does it here, but I'll just get it out all the way right here. What well, By- Bygone says what Monarch wants to do is to create more robots so that he can figure out how to travel faster than the speed of light and then travel <laughs> travel back to the Big Bang in the beginning of time and shake hands with himself because he believes he is God and he started the Big Bang. Which is a bit complicated for me. Um, yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> I mean, I like that that Monarch has these aspirations of grandeur and, you know, this, these delusions of grandeur and whatever, but I, I think it's... It just it gets a little too complicated and it kind of gets away from, um, you know, just doing something that's a little bit more simple. It's needlessly complicated. Because um, why take over... Just, I don't know. It's it's so strange to me. And, and uh, you're telling me that there's not a closer... Uh, there's not a closer silicon planet? I find that a little strange. Um, anyways. So we get a bunch of boring exposition. Adric is brought in front of Monarch. And <laughs> Monarch's like... So tell me, tell me what's up. Uh, tell me who you are. I'm just here because I want to go to Earth and I want to shake hands and greet the people. And Patrick proceeds to describe everything that the Doctor's all about. He starts talking about Time Lords, Gallifrey, the TARDIS, <laughs> saying it's a different dimension inside the TARDIS, which is accurate. Just, he spills the beans on everything. And 
<laughs> Nissa's like, Adric, what are you doing? And, and Adric's like, Monarch's a good guy. I mean, we're bros. We're bonding. <laughs> it's just... It's, it's so weird. Like, the, I don't understand why Adric just teams I, up with him. I also... I, I, I love how, how, how Adric is just, like, so, like... I forgot to mention this. I think I didn't put it in my notes because I thought for sure that you would. But the fact that, uh, the fact that like, Adric is like, <laughs> just like hates women, like just hate oh, openly, God, just openly hates women. And then this is like, um, what about me? And he's like, well, you're a girl, so you're fine. But in a few <laughs> years, I'm gonna hate you too. <laughs> yeah, he is. He's. Uh... He continues the tradition started with Jamie about being completely misogynistic. Yeah, um, it's so funny. Because, <laughs> like, eventually when he goes up against Tegan, like, he treats Tegan like a little girl because he's like, you're a woman, you won't understand. Yeah. It's, just, it's kind of, it's kind of fantastic. Um, uh, so funny. So, Adric is like, oh, well, I'll just, I'll go get the doctor and I'll let you into the TARDIS and then we can all be friends. Um, because Adric loves teaming up with the bad guy. Um, meanwhile, Tegan literally just loses her mind. Like, just... Yeah, she com- does. <laughs> just completely panics. Because she's like, robot! Wah! You know, just... <laughs> she just doesn't... She's just like, cannot rationalize. She's like, I have to get out of here. I have to warn Earth. And the doctor's like, why do you think I'm here? I'm here to protect Earth. Like, that's what I've been doing for the past several stories that you've seen me in. And... I think I think what like, I hate so much about Tegan is just how ignorant she is. Yeah, and like how she never learns anything ever. Yeah, it's pretty. It's not. It's not. It's just not good. It's not well. She's not well realized as a character. I don't think. Like it's, it's, it's very inconsistent. Like you don't. Like why don't you trust the doctor? He's the guy who's going to get you home. And like you know. The doctor leaves her behind, and I'll, I'll just get to that in a minute. But the doctor leaves her behind and starts exploring the ship with Bygone, trying to figure out exactly what to do. And this is when the doctor kind of figures out that <laughs> all of Monarch's plans, which I would explain again, but I think I'd burst out laughing because it's so ridiculous. Um, so, uh, Nissa is also like brought, she's hauled away by Monarch because she's not an, an, an ally. So she's taken away by the Chinese dude and is going to be placed into a robot. Um, and this is like this is to me is where you see that this is supposed to be written out of the story. Um, uh, and then Adric shows up in the room with the doctor, or where the doctor and Tegan are supposed to be, and he's like, "Yo, where's the doctor?" And the Tegan's like, "I have to get out of here." And Adric's like, "Whoa, whoa, what are you doing?" And she's like, "She's like, Monarch's the bad guy." And Adric's like, "What are you talking about? He's my bro. We're gonna go get lunch. On, we're gonna go get brunch on Sunday. It's gonna be no big deal." And uh, <laughs> Tegan's like, "Tegan's like, no, no, no. I'm gonna get to the TARDIS. I'm gonna go warn Earth." And I'm like, and I'm sitting here just like, "Really, Tegan? You're gonna go fly the TARDIS back to Earth? Really?" Um, <laughs> oh, boy, it has a manual. I, it has a oh, manual. God. Oh, God. Um, so, Adric, Adric and Tegan start, like, start fighting, arguing, bickering, and then Tegan just beats the crap out of him and leaves. Adric goes down like a little bitch, because Adric does. Um, and then, uh, so, so, um, 
Tegan sprints to the TARDIS. She has a key from the Doctor earlier in the story. Um, at the beginning of the story, the Doctor gave her the spare key. Why? I don't know. Because I guess the Doctor was like, Tegan's the one who can't fly the TARDIS, so she's the one who's going to be safest with my spare key. Why he wouldn't just keep it, I don't know. Um, so Tegan runs into the into the TARDIS, and she's just she's just like trying to figure out how to get away. Um, and just by just randomly pushing buttons and flipping switches, which, which works. I mean, I've been in an airplane that just works. Yeah. Um, that's totally fine. Yeah. That, that's how especially, I my first especially in an, uh, in a craft that is supposed to take eight people to fly. <laughs> yes. Right. Exactly. Tegan, Tegan, Tegan does not have her work cut out for her. She can totally fly this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so while this is going on, the doctor goes into the room where Nis is being converted into a, into a cyborg, or Nis's consciousness is being transferred to a cyborg, and the doctor manages to rescue her. And Monarch, who has just had it with the doctor at this point, just says, "All right, I want him killed." So persuasion shows up. He takes the doctor captive, and Tegan somehow, somehow, somehow pulls out the TARDIS manual and figures out how to get the TARDIS to leave. So so, so the TARDIS leaves. Um, just, just, it's gone. Um, and, and we see, and we see it go away and we, we're left on this cliffhanger of persuasion ordering the doctor's execution. The Spartan soldier raises his sword as the doctor is brought forth, like, you know, almost stockade execution style and they're about to decapitate the doctor. And that's, that's where, that's where we leave it. Um, it's all right for a cliffhanger. I mean, I, I like it. But it it's one of those. Oh no, the doctor's about to get killed, but he can't be killed because we just had a regeneration two stories ago. Cliffhanger, um, right, right. But it is, it is, it is strong. It's not, it's not got the sucker punch that is part two, if you ask me. But um, it's, it's, it's fine. It, it I, I agree. Like I just, I think that it. When you look at the the fact that the show was, or at least BBC felt that the show at the time was a kid show. Mm-hmm. I mean that it's a it's a great it's a great cliffhanger for kids, you know. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So totally like, like I mean, because kids they don't know better. Like they don't. Yeah. They think, oh, oh no, know. the yeah. show is going to yeah. end, and I'm never going to see it again. <laughs> yeah. And not well, not only that, but like this, the back in back around this time, Doctor mm-hmm. Doctor Who was being broadcast twice a week on like I think it was Mondays and Tuesdays. So they would do like. You know, Monday would be part one, Tuesday would be part two, the next Monday would be part three, and the next Tuesday would be part four. So really, you're only stuck on this cliffhanger for 24 hours, whereas, like, the end of part two, you're stuck on it for, like, a week, which, right. is, which is intense. So they're going to want to make um, that a better cliffhanger, obviously. Yeah, which is which is cool. I mean, I, I really like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually true in Kinda, too. That's a... God, I love Kinda. Um, <laughs> I, I'm so excited for us to get there, so... In a, in a, in a couple months. Um... So we come back to part four. Nissa takes the takes the sonic screwdriver and uh, tweaks all of the robotic. The robots have these um, medallions on their hands that are controlling them, and Nissa manages to tweak the tweak the robotic circuits so that uh, the 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 Spartan soldiers uh, deactivate. And Persuasion's like, "Oh, screw this!" So he pulls out a gun. And gets and like points into the doctor, and Adric just gets in his way and says no. And and it's it, it's kind of thrilling on as we talk about it, but in actual execution, it is just like it is so just weak. Like the 
the doctor's just like the doctor's like just hanging there and everyone else is just like Adric is slowly walking into position like he's not like throwing himself in front of the doctor he just kind of steps in and goes no which is really <laughs> weird it's a, it's a weird sort of blocking thing that they did um <clears throat> So, and then Monarch's like, Monarch's really angry and decides, you know what? No, don't kill the doctor. Why? I have no clue. Um, just, apparently he doesn't want to kill Adric. But really, how hard is it for Persuasion to just move Adric out of the way long enough to just shoot the doctor in the head? I don't know. Not, not, not very long, but Monarch, yeah, Monarch knows what he wants. He's God. So, there's that. Um, Tegan lands the TARDIS outside the ship. So it's parked kind of in orbit around the ship, um, just outside. Like she basically moved the TARDIS a couple hundred feet, um, which is which is which is fine, I suppose. It's it's kind of lucky that she didn't just, you know, wind up at the ass end of time. Uh, but, you know, go go her. Apparently she was only working with like the Y axis of the TARDIS's like seven dimensional like you know, travel machine thing. Um so she manages to get stuck and she's really just like, she's crying. She's like not having a good time. Why she did all this. I have no clue. Like, it's just, it's so weird that she's like, I have to go warn earth. And she's not trusting the doctor that he's, you know, trying to do this despite the fact that he's like, look, I'm trying to do this. Um, so she's, she's trying to figure out how to, uh, fix the, fix the, fix the TARDIS. Um, and the doctor is so angry with Adric that he's He's, like, talking to Adric, and he's like, why did you do this? And Adric's like, look, we're bros. It's brunch Sunday. And, and the doctor's like, no, let me let me tell you. So he goes to the rec room and basically says, Adric, this is what Monarch's trying to do. And Adric, Adric is literally just like, oh, that's what he's trying to do. Well, well, Monarch's a jerk. <laughs> the doctor's <laughs> like, yep. So Adric, Adric is apparently the most persuaded character on this show. Like, he is just, like, he goes from being Monarch's little, like, lap boy to all of a sudden just becoming, like, well, screw this guy. We're, we're gonna fight him. It's just, it's so, like, why even bother? Why, why even bother? Um, so the doctor's like, well, we need a plan, um... And and we we so we need to figure out what to do. So they sneak Bygone out of the rec room by hiding in the dragon, which is all right. Although I don't think they set that up very well. It's paid off, but it's not it's not set up very well. Um, they sneak they sneak Bygone from the rec room, and then <laughs> we get these random Greek wrestlers who are so hardcore they don't even wrestle with pads um so like they're just they're just on the cold metal of the spaceship just tossing each other's around <laughs> like it's pretty it's pretty nuts um and the doctor's like well i need the tardis back why he needs the tardis back i don't know um so he's like i need the tardis back so he um so we get this really cool sequence where he's like, okay, well, I can stand being in a sub-zero temperature for six minutes. Adric, put on the spacesuit. We're going to go rescue the TARDIS by hand. And this is, this to me is my favorite sequence of the whole piece, just because it's, I don't know, I think it's really exciting, it's super fun, and it's got some really weird physics, uh, but some really cool physics at the same time. So the Doctor and Adric, and I'm going to YouTube this, so it'll be YouTubed, hopefully. Um... 
the doctor and Adric uh, get get to get together. They um, they tie the doctor to a rope, and they basically he just starts jumping for the TARDIS because the TARDIS is you know a couple hundred feet off of the off the ship. So basically, all he has to do is just jump. <laughs> but for some reason, for some reason, in space, you can just randomly stop moving and have to pull yourself back in in order to <laughs> you know. It's so it's so weird. Um, so so the doctor has to keep pulling himself in, and there's this really cool sequence where where Adric is fighting Persuasion. He manages to to tear the um, tear the circuit breaker off Persuasion, so Persuasion deactivates, um, and um, and and the, the and then Enlightenment comes in, and Enlightenment just beats the crap out of Adric, like just beats him up, and and wins, and the doctor. Uh, she unties the doctor from from the rope, and she's like, "Bye, doctor," because he's gonna be just stuck in space traveling. And so, what the doctor does is he pulls out this cricket ball that he's had in his pocket for the whole series, or not the whole series, the whole story, and he throws it at the ship, and then catches it and uses that momentum to get to the TARDIS, which I think is just that's so clever. Like, I just yeah. I love that. It's so it was su- it's such a cool moment of like, oh, he's really good with this with this cricket ball. It's just awesome. Yeah. Um, it's just I don't know, great sequence, right? Like just yeah, definitely super super fun. Um, I also I also really like everyone performing at the same time. <laughs> just that's like total chaos. <laughs> the Aborigines are doing their same dance. The Mayans are doing their also, same. Also, I love that the, in the Aborigines, there's one Aborigine that's just so not into what's happening. Like. <laughs> I know like, the guy you're talking about. He's like barely participating. He's just like really he's this like, again. Seriously, <laughs> he is. He's finally had enough. After yeah, <laughs> several several thousand years. He's just like screw this. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and so then when Mon- the- Monarch finally gets up, I'm just like, oh oh. It just got oh, yeah. real up in here. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Totally. Like, you're just, it, it's a great sort of payoff where Monarch's been sitting for the whole story, and then he's just like, I'm going to take care of this myself. And, and then like, he gets oh, up snap. and doesn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> he gets up, goes into the rec room, tells people to stop moving, and then the doctor throws poison at him and he dies. Um, <laughs> so oh, weird. Because um, Monarch has this poison <clears throat> that he's going to use to take over the Earth, I guess, by killing all the people. Right. Um,. I love that chaos sequence, though. Like, just everything's happening. Just kind of crazy. Um, so, the day is saved. The Doctor <laughs> does this thing right when he gets back to the TARDIS after, you know, being in space for a little bit. Tegan's like, Doctor, you're here! And he's like, shut up, Tegan. And he's like, <laughs> he's like, he's like I'm just going to fix your mess. Like, that's the, that's the attitude he takes. It's so funny. Um, so, so, yeah, the day is saved. All the people, like, he's like, Bygone, you want to come with us? And Bygone's like, nah, I'm, I'm good. Um, and so the, so the, all the androids take over the ship, and they're going to fly the ship around the cosmos and try to find a place to land, which is, which is cool. I mean, I like that, and they've, they've certainly earned it. Um, so everyone gets back in the TARDIS. The Doctor's like, the day is saved. Let's get you back to Heathrow. And then Nyssa says, I don't feel so good, and collapses. And we're left on, I don't know, kind of a cliffhanger of WTF happened to Nyssa. Yeah. Um, which uh don't, also don't, you yeah don't don't look forward to it because it's not a super oh. fantastic resolution it's just something because they have to write Nissa out of the next story so they make her look sick um oh so i see that's, that's what that is yeah um also you you kind of skipped over the part where uh uh the doctor goes into a breathing trance where he's just like i go into this breathing trance and then i don't have to 
I don't have to breathe so much. And the breathing trance is him hyperventilating. <laughs> and I'm just like, what kind of breathing trance is that? You're breathing more than you were before. <laughs> I thought I'd noticed that. I was like, I, I forgot to write it down. But like, he goes into a breathing trance because they're sucking all the air out of the room. And he, he's just hyperventilating. It's, it's so weird. Yeah. It's so weird. Oh, man. Oh, God, it's so funny. Um. <laughs> any anyway, so that's that's for the doomsday. Go yeah. us. We did another. We did another Davidson. It's super. Like I just. I'm so sad. I'm almost out of Davidson stories to watch. I can't believe it. I only have two left. I'm so bummed. That's but depressing. He's so good. He's he is so good in this. He is. Um. Before like, we move on, uh, I remind uh. Everyone, that uh, today's episode is brought to you by DCBService.com. DCBS is the site that lets you order all your monthly comic book statues, action figures, and anything else you can get from a local comic book shop. You place your orders three months in advance with monthly discount specials up to 75% off. This month, all uh, 52 DC number ones for the uh, DC reboot, you can get all of them for $79.74, which is 50% off the retail price of $159.48. Um, and then plus you get regular discounts of 40% off of everything else. Plus, if you pre-order collected editions like trade paperbacks, hardcovers, that sort of thing, you can save 50% off those. Ship as often as you like with orders as large or small as you like, and you only pay five ninety five flat rate shipping. So thanks to DCBService.com. Yep, yep, yep. Yep, yep, yep. All right, so uh, Torchwood Talk, uh, episode two aired, um, rendition. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was even better than the first episode, personally. Hmm. Really? Yeah. Because I, I, I thought it was a slight drop off. Like, it, uh, like the first one had a bunch of energy and like racing forward, and this was kind of like a little more wheel spinny, just like just to get all the pieces back to where they needed to be. Um, I, I thought it was, I thought it was still really strong, like really, really strong. But it was, it was a slight drop off for me, but only because like you know you start with a bang and then you have to slowly build back up to that again. Um, yeah, but I but that's that's why I, I you know it it's it did what it was supposed to do. So like I still think it was just right. as good um, for mm. me. Like it was continuing the high quality of the first episode, and I, yeah, it I continued freaking Bill Pullman. Oh my god, Bill Pullman! <laughs> Bill Pullman, man, just I'm that sequence uh, where he's talking to like the assistant producer or whatever, like by the by the craft service table, like. I was losing my mind. He was so good in that. Oh, he was... I... Even even the crying sequence when you're like, you're totally putting on an act, but like, you almost buy it, which is just... Oh my god. Like, it's so good. He is... He is killing this story. Like, hardcore kill... Which is ironic, because you can't kill this story. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> oh, snap. Um... It's a, it's almost a miracle. Um, so, the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but yeah, it's it's this this show is so good right now. It mm-hmm. is so good. If if anything, um, the sequence where they're tearing up, like, and I understand like the the urgency of it, but the 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 um, spoilers, the 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 uh, Jack is poison sequence. I think Eva Miles put it just a little over the top. Um, I think she could. They could have pulled her back just, just a little bit, because being that frantic in that situation is not, you know, it's not helping anything. Um, well, but, and not, uh, not, not. I don't know. Like, I kind of, I, 
I feel like she could have pulled it back, but I I, I feel like it was extremely in character because she's always been like any time Captain Jack is like about to to like is or is in any kind of trouble, like Gwen kind of goes overboard. Um, yeah. So I I feel like it was still in character, her mm-hmm. like freaking out that much, and her freaking out that much leads to uh, Rex being like, "So there's something going on with you two, huh?" Because, <laughs> like, why are you freaking out so much? Like, so, so I think, I think, it, I, I agree that it, 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 it almost seems odd, but it, it still seems in character for Gwen for me, which is one of the reasons why I hate Gwen because I'm just like you, freaking have a husband. What is wrong with you? Stop with your Jack obsession. Yeah, she's she's a little mellow in this a little bit. Um, yeah. Which is, yeah. It's, it's just, it just it, it irked me a little bit, but that sequence was still really thrilling. And it was such a good planting payoff moment where like, you know, um, Rex calls the doctor and basically, and the doctor just happens to be working with all the other people. Like I thought that was so clever. Like just, you know, it was, it was really good plotting to have all the pieces in order. And she's, and she comes into the room. She's like, okay, this is our new project. And they start figuring out how to, how to fix Jack while Jack is in the air. Just, I, I love that. That was so, it was just, it was really strong. And like, I, cause like when I was watching the trailer, like I was like, oh, this is going to be super lame. Like, this is not going to be super fun. But I I really I loved that sequence. It was so strong. Like and and um, uh, Barrowman killed it as usual. Like he didn't overplay the being sick thing. Mm-hmm. Deacon Lockman was, oh my god, so creepy. Just yeah, she was. Oh my god, dude. When, I'm sorry. Like when 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 he breaks her neck, and I was like I was like I was like oh that'll be interesting since she can't be dead, and then like she shows up, and I'm just like oh god. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the same thing because I like whenever someone gets their neck broken, like I I jump, but like I was I was like I was like oh she's dead oh that's that wait nope she can't die like I just I yeah. forgot that people can't die for a minute which was which was thrilling that although that was my favorite sequence when they get off the plane and Esther calls Rex and like I was like oh snap this is so compelling right now yeah like, it was so the like, conspiracy like, oh, aspect no. of this is really interesting. Oh, totally. I'm loving. I like. I have a huge thing for conspiracies as a person, but mm-hmm. like, I when they when they when the CIA started emptying the desk and they're like they put the fifty thousand dollars in her bank account. Like for a second, I was like, why did they do that? And then I'm like, oh, we're watching a conspiracy story. That oh god, yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. I oh god, I can't. And then and then he gets. She gets fifty thousand, and he gets to hundred thousand, and he's like, they bribed me more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, um, and Wayne Knight was good in this. Like he was I not love, his oh, normal God. character. Like he always has that same character. Like he's always Newman and everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and he's so not that character in this. And it was awesome. Mm-hmm. And I love I love that. Like and and that's that's one of the things that they're doing that's so good in this is is giving everyone a little bit different thing to do. Like, you know, DJ Lockman from Dollhouse, like she was such a specific character in Dollhouse and she is totally different here than she was in Dollhouse where she was a fragile sort of, you know, ass kicking bad guy. Mm-hmm. But like her, her here, like she was creepy and freaky Wayne Knight, like you said, Bill Pullman, like you said, and Lauren Ambrose, who I Ambrose was seen. like, Lauren Ambrose is always the, always like not confident. And she's like, so super confident in this. And it's like, it's awesome. 
Oh, totally. She she is killing this right now. Like, I'm loving Lauren Ambrose in the show. I cannot wait to see what they do with her. Yeah. Just oh man. This is this is this is excellent. It is it is I'm just I'm having such a good time with this. And I love I just if, if, if there is one problem, it's Mechie Pfeiffer. Like I again yeah. like I he's not but I did I thought he was a little better in this and there has been talk like Jane Espenson on um on Twitter, like, you know, she's she's one of the big writers on this, she was talking about how, you know, are you guys liking Mickey Pfeiffer? And I've, I've heard people who are liking him, but like, apparently he's got an arc and I can kind of feel that they're going to give him a nice arc. And if they do that, like, cause I think he's doing so over the top just so that he has somewhere to go later because he is going to be, he's going to have, if he goes somewhere, like, I think it's going to be really strong because, you know, he is doing way over the top. I'm the American. I'm kicking ass right now. I'm being the big tough guy. Um, which right. is, it's, it's a little too much. Um, it is, it's a little bit of a st- American stereotype too. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Which, which is, which is so weird given everything else is so different, like just nuanced and clever. Yeah. Is, it's, it's weird that they're just, they have to take the shot at America. Yeah. Um, but man, that but man, this is good. I'm loving this. I, I'm, 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 I'm loving the fact that I'm finally being like just a hundred percent entertained by Torchwood. Definitely. Whereas before There's... there would be there would be parts of Torchwood where I would just be begrudgingly watching, and mm-hmm. I don't feel that at all here. Like I I'm no. like salivating for each new episode. Oh, I was so sad when this episode ended. Cause, yeah. Because now because like again this was this was a filler episode just to get Jack and and eat and uh, Gwen back to America, but like. I cannot wait to see what happens next. And they separated Gwen from Reese. Like I was shocked when they did that. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Really? What? Are, but but he's like a he's like a main character on the show. Why did they like? It's just it's such an interesting choice that they made. And I can't wait to. I I and the best part, I have no idea where they're going. Like I yeah, it's I I have no like we we kind of get the there is there is definitely a conspiracy going on, but. What, what? Who's behind it? What are they doing? What? Are the, what's it all about? What does it have There's to do with the, Torchwood? Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. what does it have to do with um, the Brian K. Vaughnian, uh Why the Last Man story? Like, what is? What does that have to do with it? Because the the morphic regener- morph morphic whatever morphic resonance is you know that's the that's the Why the Last Man idea. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so, uh, and I'm just so interested. Like, and then as on top of all that, they keep coming up with crazy cool notions about you know um how the story is still continuing like you know none of the people in india can die ergo like reincarnation doesn't exist ergo we have to settle all our things right now like just they're continuing the idea train of this story and i'm not sick of it yet and i just like you know there's a bunch of scientists in a room who are trying to figure out what's going on and what to do with it and Hmm. it's I'm ah, oh, it's just it's winning. This story is winning on every level, and I cannot wait to see what happens next. And I'm I'm cannot. really like dying to know. Like I love the Bill Pullman stuff, but so far it has nothing to do with anything. And oh, so God. I'm just well, waiting for it to come back around. Oh, totally. Well, apparently I think he's meeting. I think he's meeting Jack in the next episode. If I'm right, like I've heard that that's them meeting. Um, okay. For the first time. Well, which, that's which next day, next week is Jane Espenson. So. Yeah, which should be which should be awesome. Um, yeah. I, I cannot wait to see, cause they're, they're playing it. They're playing like it's, 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 they're allowing this story to have a slow build, which is great because, you know, the first part was a high octane action movie. This is just continuing the tension. I love when stories are allowed to, to ratchet up the tension like this. It's just, it's so great. It's, um, oh God, yes, Torchwood. So much Torchwood. Yes. I love it. 
Absolutely. Can't wait for next week. Next week's episode is uh, Dead of Night. <laughs> oh, man. oh, man. Oh, man. And, you know, Jane Espenson. Love Jane Espenson. Exactly. So. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, um, that pretty much uh, wraps this up. Uh, next week, uh, The Mind of Evil, yes? Yes, which I haven't seen, so I can't tell you how good it is. Oh, interesting. So this will be one yeah, neither of us have seen. Yeah, so hopefully hopefully it doesn't turn into a, a giant train wreck. Okay. Um, it's a <laughs> Pertwee, I'm, yes? Pertwee? Yeah, Pertwee, Pertwee Master Story. So we get some Delgado, which is Yes, cool. which I haven't seen a Delgado. So. I, yeah, and some of it's in black and white, which is, which is weird because they haven't recolorized it yet. Um, next week after that, we're doing uh, The War Games, which is going to be some... Uh, Patrick Trout. We're going to spend two weeks on that um, first five episodes, and then the second five episodes because it's it's a long one, kind of epic. Should be super. I'm so looking forward to this one. Um, Me too. And then Me we're too. doing, and then we're doing um, the Invisible Enemy, which will be a pseudo live podcast, uh, including very drunk us, <laughs> um, uh, and and probably guests, and probably guests, probably guests, um, and then uh, and we will be drunk. Yes. <laughs> Almost certainly be drunk, and then uh, after that, I think we're going to do the next Doctor, which is a uh, the, ten- the the David Tennant Christmas special. Um, so we'll have some we'll have some cool stuff to look forward to there. Uh, next, Davison's story is Kinda, which is so good. Um, so that's coming up eventually, uh, awesome. and that's that's what's coming up next. Uh, yeah, and then um, on the website geekshowentertainment.com, uh, you can still check out Matt's article. Um, top five returning Doctor and Cla- Doctor Who classic villains, um, which is a, mm-hmm. a great article. So you guys should go check that out if you, Thank you. watch either classic or new Who. Uh, which why would you be listening to this if you didn't? Um, so you should. Everyone listening to this should go read that article. And also, we we should have uh, by the time this comes out, we'll have just posted. Um, the Harry Potter and the Deathly Hollows Part Two audio blog, which features myself, Matt, Cassandra, and Nick Jimenez. And Great discussion. Yes, Great and it was a really discussion. good discussion. Long one too, definitely. Totally. Uh, Movie Nettie Geek Show, <clears throat> which was uh, Die Hard last week, is The Matrix this week, continuing our blockbuster discussion. So if you listen to this podcast and you're not listening to Movie Night at Geek Shows, shame on you. Go subscribe to that podcast, <laughs> which you can do on iTunes. And you can also leave uh, iTunes reviews because that's really, really helpful. And you can email us at tdc at geekshow.us. Uh, Matt, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on the internet on Twitter. I'm twitter.com slash gungadzin. Uh, there you can follow my ramblings if... Uh, if you're looking at it right now, you're probably going to see a lot of me tweeting about San Diego Comic-Con because I'm going to be there. Uh, if you see me, say hi, I guess. Um, although, I don't, I don't know how you'd find me. I don't know. I'll be at the community panel, hopefully. So we'll see how that goes. I'll also be at the Doctor Who panel. And if you're going to be at the Nerdist thing, I'll be at the Nerdist uh, Doctor Who, Matt Smith, Karen Gillan interview thing. Um, I'm sorry, Scott. I know. Uh, I hate you so much. <laughs> I hate you so I'll also much. Be doing- I mean, I mean, at least, at least, at least, at least it's going to exist, and I can listen to it eventually. So, yes, it could yes. be worse. Yeah, it totally could be worse. Like they're just they do the standard Comic Con thing where they're like, just don't tell anyone about the footage you see here, you know, which is which will be fun. We'll also be doing uh, audio blog wrap ups of that, which should be up uh, sometime later, late 
uh, late late this week. I don't know when we're doing them, but I'm going to be talking about some of the stuff I saw, how the time I had, and stuff like that. And Scott, you've offered to host those, so um, those will be up sometime this week. Um, all about Comic Con and stuff I saw, and, and stuff that's cool to look forward to. Um, you can also find me on my alternate Twitter account, which is twitter.com slash gdcommentary. That's Gunkadin Commentary, uh, where we talk about classic Trek every week. Uh, we didn't last week because Netflix's streamers was down, uh, which was so sad because that was my one refuge on Sunday. Um, so so look for that. We're going to be doing, I guess, Charlie X this week if we don't do it soon. Follow those Twitter accounts so that you find out when they are. They're usually about Sunday, and we're going to be doing them about 9 o'clock Eastern time, uh, 6 o'clock on Pacific, uh, which is just before Breaking Bad, which works out for everybody because no way am I missing Breaking Bad. Um so, so look for that. Scott joins us. Cassandra joins us. We get we usually get a couple people in, and it's so much fun. Just if you like this, it's basically that, but while watching Star Trek, and it's so much, it's so much fun. Yeah. Um. So, so look for that. You should also look for um, uh, my blog, which is classicalgallifrey.blogspot.com, where I review classic stories uh, one a week. Uh, last week I did a twofer where I talked about I think it was the Nightmare of Eden. And um, uh, Mission to the Unknown. Mission to the Unknown turned out to be honestly really fantastic, if I do say so myself. Like, I had so much fun talking about that story because it's such a weird, different story. Um, and then this week I talked about, at great length, at super great length, about what I'm now considering my favorite Hartnell story of all time, which is uh, Marco Polo, which doesn't exist anymore and is so sad because, holy crap, Marco Polo is so incredible um awesome so check that out uh we'll be reviewing that eventually on on tdc which you're listening to right now um so if you're interested go check those out i also have a list on the side if you are looking forward to something that i'm talking about uh, i have a list of um not just uh stories that are coming up because i list the next 10 stories that i'm reviewing but also um uh, my my favorite classic Who story. So if you're interested in that, check those out. Although don't start with the caves of Androzani. Scott, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, other than geekshowentertainment.com, you can also find me on Twitter, twitter.com slash Scott Corelli, and my alternate Twitter account, twitter.com slash Scott Commentary. Uh, and yeah, I, I tweet often. And uh, yeah, also, uh, guys, I, I, think, I think the plan at some point... Um, when we're in, when we're at Chicago Comic Con in a couple of weeks, we're wanting to do just a for funsies podcast, which won't necessarily be a Doctor's Companion um, show. Well, it most certainly won't be. Um, it'll just be sort of like us, probably drunk and uh, talking about whatever. So I think it would be fun <laughs> if we had um, questions to answer. Uh, mm-hmm. because I don't think there's anything funnier than um, answering fan questions drunk. Uh, so I, I Especially think, not when you're with me, man. I just... Nah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, so you can, you can send us... Um, just send those to... Uh, either email us, um, email me at scott at geekshow.us, and I'll save all of those for that opportunity, or you can tweet us the questions, too. Um, mm-hmm. That works, too. Either way, I think, uh, I think that would be fun. So you should do so that. So fun. So fun, yeah. So yeah, Look, yeah. Do that, Chicago. <clears throat> gonna, we're gonna blow the doors off that place. Hopefully, it's gonna be yeah. pretty sweet. 
Uh, I think I'm gonna be. I think I think my girlfriend is, has convinced me to do some Doctor Who cosplay. So that's probably gonna be a thing one day. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I know. I know. I've wanted to be like the Fifth Doctor, just as a co- as like a cosplay costume dress up Halloween thing for a while, just because mm-hmm. there is no better Doctor Who costume. It's true. That's a fact. There's not. That is a fact. It's not. Yeah. That is a fact. All right, guys. We will. Um, we'll talk to you next week with the mind of evil. All right. See you guys. Bye.